Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank this day that we have to worship you in song. We thank you for the opportunity to hear the word of God spoken. And Lord, we just thank you that we live in a country that we can gather together to lift up your name without concern and worry. And Lord, we just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We're continuing in our study of Ecclesiastes. <coughs> Remember the Ecclesiastes, there's the story of Solomon coming toward the days when he's finished his idol worship. He started out on a high note with God. God asked him, what, what would you like for a gift? He asked for wisdom so he could rule the people. He fell by the wayside starting worshiping idols. He went off trying to find God and find happiness. And Ecclesiastes is his book telling about the futility of all that search. And at the very end, he's going to tell us in Ecclesiastes 12:13, let us now hear the conclusion of the matter, fear of the whole matter, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And that he's going to come to the conclusion of and say, all these things I have done, all these things I look for God in, none of them fulfilled. And for those of us who are Christians, we understand that there is no fulfillment in peace without walking in a relationship with God. And that is where he comes to conclusion. I like to bring this up because some of these verses are hard sometimes to go through because I go verse by verse. I've got to tackle them. And right here in chapter 9 is one of those ones that's a little hard. And he says, verse 1, For all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No one knows neither love, either love or hatred by all that is before them. All things are alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to, and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean, and to the unclean, to him that sacrifices and to him that sacrifices not. As is the good, so is the sinner. For he that swears and as he that feareth an oath. This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto us all. Yea, also the heart of the sons of man sons of men is full of evil and madness is in their heart while they live and after that they go to death for to him that is joined into the living there is hope for a living dog is better than a dead lion for the living know that they shall die but the dead know not anything neither have they any more a reward for the memory of them is forgotten also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished Neither have they any portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. All right. Here Solomon starts out. He says, I have something I want to make clear to everybody. And this is going to be this whole chapter. And we're just taking a bit, bit of it right now. And this is where he says, I have something to declare. And declare here is to make clear. And, you know, one of the things that is so interesting, when I talk to so many people that don't know God, they are so confused and so concerned and they really don't have answers. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. You talk to the world and they go, well, you know, if, uh, if it wasn't for all you Christians and your Bible and your rules, everything would be okay. Mm. You know, and I'm going, I don't know what life you're living in. <laughs> you know, but that is what is told to us. If it wasn't for all your rules, everything would be okay and everything would be good. You know, I, I mentioned in most of the Bible studies at times, part of the reason for the 
thousand-year rule of Christ is that everything will be made perfect and people will still want to sin at the end of that thousand years. Satan is going to be thrown into the, into the hell for a thousand years, bound up, and then God's going to let him out to tempt people one more time after a thousand years of good living. Just to prove, just to, prove to man that a good environment does not make people good. Now, we already know that's true because we can go at the very beginning of the Bible and see that Adam and Eve lived in a perfect environment, a perfect world, did not have a sin nature, and managed to disobey God. So when we hear people say, well, you know, if you, if you just left us alone, we'd be, we'd be good. No, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be any better. That is not the answer, and, and this is one of those things that Solomon looked at. He said, you know, hey, be doing good works does not fulfill. Being good does not fulfill. Being evil does not fulfill, because he talked about doing all kinds of things, building all kinds of things. You know, he had lots of wives and concubines, just a thousand of them. You know, you know just, a, just a small number. <laughs> uh, you know, he built gardens. He built palaces. He built all kinds of temples. He built the great temple to God, Solomon's temple, which is still supposedly one of the greatest accomplishments ever. And people looked at him and said, you should be happy. Solomon, you've got, you've got money, you've got stuff, you've got your name on every building in Israel, you've got, you know, you've got all your friends, you've got all, everything you want. And he was never happy without God. And we know that his statement is not unusual just for him because we look at it, people who are superstar athletes, superstar actors or, or singers have lots of money, they're at the top of the world, and then they blow their brains out or, or overdose on drugs because they're still not happy. Without God, we cannot be happy. And this is where Solomon gets to the conclusion. He says, this is the conclusion, serve God. <laughs> keep his commandments. Love him, keep his commandments. And then he goes on to say there's one thing that's going to happen to everybody. Good, bad, really nice people, really bad people, people who follow God, people who don't follow God, and that is death. Every one of us faces death. We start dying from the moment we're born. Now, we've got a lot of growing first, but we start dying from the moment we're born, and we only have so many days, and we will die. This is one of the things that was really reinforced this last week, being away for a funeral, his 38-year-old cousin died. 39? 35? Okay. Added a couple more years to her life. <laughs> All right. She would have loved that. <laughs> <laughs> but still, mid-30s, died. Every single person who dies has plans. They're planning to go to the doctor sometime the next week. They're planning to go take care of things. They've got school. They've got work. All of us have things to do. Even if you know you're sick, you still make plans because you don't know the exact day and minute you're going to die. And this is what Solomon is saying. We all face death. And this death is only because of the fall of man. Adam and Eve were created to live forever, to rule this world, and they sinned. And their sin brought death and sin upon every single human being thereafter. Um, now, when we get to heaven, we'll go, it's all your fault. We'll see Adam and Eve go, it's all your fault. <laughs> yeah. No, we're, we've been saved by the grace of God, so it, it still won't matter at that point. God knew that they were going to sin. It was not a surprise to God that they sinned. 
Because he had the plan already in place. He said that the seed of the woman would come and crush the serpent's head. The serpent would bruise his heel, but he would crush the serpent's head. It was already planned. It wasn't, oh my goodness, what am I going to do now? And how do we know this? Because the Bible talks all through it about the Savior who was slain before the foundation of the world. Why did God create us? Knowing we were going to sin? I have no idea. I'm glad he did because I know him. I'm going to go to heaven. But you know, it's amazing to me that he created man knowing that man was going to sin and knowing the cost it was going to, to be to bring him back. Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, died on the cross willingly for our sin. You know, and when we think of the cross, you know, sometimes we have such a low view of what the cross was. You know, I, I don't remember how many of you remember the big flack about the passion of the Christ and how, how violent it was and all of that they said about it. And with all the flack and all the things I'd seen, because I'd seen some really crazy movies and, you know, that were some of them not even barely R, and then they rated this one R, and I went to see it, and I'm going, okay, this must be, everybody's so upset, this must really be showing the death of Jesus as it was. And yes, it was a hard scene to watch, but it was nothing compared to what he went through. It said that when he hung on the cross, you couldn't even recognize him as a man. He had been beat so badly. The scourging that he took before he even went to the cross, and he knew he was going to have to do this. Took the scourging, they took the flesh right off his back and exposed all the, all the muscle and blood and everything on it. Then they hung him on a cross. And then the most horrible thing that happened to Jesus is the Father and the Holy Spirit had to turn their back on him when he became sin. The first time in all of eternity that Jesus was separated from the Father and the Holy Spirit. Jesus felt that pain, but you know the Father and the Holy Spirit had to feel pain as well. They turned their back on on part of who they were and were ripped apart for us. For us. And it's hard for me to even picture that. And this is what Solomon is saying. Death comes to all people because of that sin. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Every single person is sin, so we deserve death. And, you know, we look at this. It's not, this is not just a one-time thing in the Bible. We see it in Genesis 2.17 where death was the result. He said, if, as soon as you eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall die. Ezekiel 18.20 tells us that death is coming because of sin. Revelation 21.8 says that death is the result of sin. James 5.20 says that death is the result of sin. God created us to live. And sin brings death. And every single human being sins. Matter of fact, we are born sinners because we get that sin nature in us right from the very beginning. And if we don't believe it, all of us in this room, I think, have had grandkids or kids of our own, and we know how, how we, we, every one of them, we taught them how to disobey, right? We all went down there, this is how you not share your toys. This is how you don't, you know, eat your food. And we watch our kids, you know. And babies are very selfish. They want what they want when they want it. When they're hungry, you know about it. 
when they've got a wet diaper, you know about it. They are very selfish beings. Now, we love them, we take care of them, but they are selfish. When they want it, they want it now. Now, most of us grow out of that stage. <laughs> Some of us don't do it very well. Some of us, you're still selfish even as an adult. We've learned a little bit how we're not supposed to be all that selfish. But you know, that pride, that selfishness does not get us anywhere. We can get everything we want. And what happens when somebody gets everything they want? They become a spoiled brat. You know, that nobody wants to be around. They're so used to getting what they want when they want it that they make sure that everybody else is miserable. We can go to the other side where I'm just going to let everybody get what they want and I'm not going to ask for anything and appear to be humble, but even then my heart is telling me I deserve better. And, does, you know, everybody wants and wants. There is never enough stuff to fill the spot that God desires. This is why Christianity, I love the fact that I am a Christian. Christianity is different from every other religion, and it's not that every religion is the same, but they have one characteristic that's the same of every religion. It is, if you do enough good things that outweigh your bad things, you'll please the deity, whatever that deity is that you're worshiping. Christianity says you can never do enough good things because sin's penalty is death. It takes the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to go to heaven. Plain and simple. And I've been places, I've talked to even people who say they're Christians, and they'll say, well, I know I'm saved by grace, but I've got to keep my salvation by doing good works. I would hate to be in that, in that ballpark because God gave me eternal life. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. When God gives us his, his life and his eternal life, he is not an Indian giver and said, oh, no, you haven't, you haven't kept it, you haven't earned enough of it, I'm taking it back. By definition, that would not be eternal life. Right? If he gives me eternal life, it is eternal. Now, if I, and I've said this, if I can go out and I can sin without having any conviction of my sin, I probably never knew him in the first place, and I'm going to have to be concerned. One of the things God does with his children is conviction. You, most of us, if you're saved, I can't even hardly do anything wrong without being convicted, and if I do it, I am really convicted. You know, now, this is something that is important. God is not going to let his children disobey him. If you can disobey God's rules and not feel any conviction, then you need to really look at your life and say, God, do I know you? That very conviction is going to be the proof that you know him. Now, you may not act on that conviction. You may be able to push it off aside. But if you know that you're convicted, then you know him. If you don't know him, get to know him. <laughs> get to know him. He's going to change us. I went to Sunday school last week and I felt so sorry for these people because they all wanted to live life on feelings in the Sunday school class that I was in. You know, and I just was trying to, you know, at various points because a lot of them didn't want to talk very much, so I ended up speaking more than I probably should in a Sunday school class. But <laughs> I, I ended up teaching, you've got to trust God's word. God's word is true, whether we feel like it is or not. You all know I love Romans 8.28. All things work together for good for those who are called according to the pr purpose of God. 
Now, when I walk my life, there are many things that I look at, look at it by sight and go, God, this doesn't seem to make sense. This doesn't seem to be good. Now, I'm not living 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. I'm not living in heaven at the moment looking back on what he's doing. But you know, God, over the years that I've watched him, has always done good in the things that he's shown me. So therefore, I have confidence in, that anything that I don't understand is still for good. Ultimately, my good in heaven, and sometimes my good in earth, but sometimes it is to build others up. Sometimes our faithfulness, walking with God in this world, going through what may seem like hell on earth, encourages somebody else to say, I watched them live for God in spite of all the bad things. If they can do it, it'll be good for me. We do not know what the impact of our life is going to be. When I was at the memorial, I, I was co-pastor with somebody else doing it. He was talking about how when they reminded, when they asked him to be the one helping out on that uh, services, they had to remind her who she was. She, he had made a great impact on her life at a point when she was at a critical spot. And they always, the family always remembered him, even though it had been like eight, nine years since they had seen him. But for him, it was just another day. How many times have you had somebody come up to you and say, I really appreciated what you did here, or that, or this, or how you touched me, and you're thinking, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember what you're talking about. How many times have you had somebody that you really thought touched your life in a big way? They may, not, they may be in that same boat. They are just living their life they may not remember. If it was a really big event, they might remember. But most of the things that we do that minister to people in a big way are just that little kindness that we say, just the little word that we speak, just a reaching out of the hand and, and holding their hand for a moment, and sometimes we don't even think about it. And it's just we were, doing, we were just serving God and helping out. But they remember it. It touches them. What am I saying on this? Live out God's life and, and, and just be pay, uh, living. I can tell you over and over, I've had people come up and said, you said this, you did this, you did this, and I'm going, well, thank you. I don't, you know, I don't usually tell them, but most of the time, I don't remember the event that they're talking about. It was just me and God ministering to people, and they got touched. I am looking forward to one thing in heaven is all the people that are finally going to say, I'm here because of what you've done. These boxes that we put out for Operation Christmas Child, what was it we saw three weeks ago? Three million con con uh, confessions for Christ or something like that. It's in the millions. Might have been 10 million. I don't remember. People are getting saved. We may never know if a box that we sent led to somebody's salvation. But when you get to heaven, that person's going to be looking for you. <laughs> that entire family may be looking for you, as we saw, see in these videos. Our job is to just walk with God and live our life and let God be responsible for the activities that happen. Now, yes, we need to be, be passing out tracts. We need to be sharing the gospel. We need to be doing our part as well. But, you know, we pass out a track, and the person kind of crumples it up, sticks it in their pocket, and we think, oh, well, that was a wasted, a wasted track, and then they read it two days later, you know, a month later. 
Maybe they put it on their table and somebody in their family reads it and gets saved. We don't know the impact we have on people's lives. We don't know the impact that we have just living out our life before other people and watching what God will do in their life. Many times families have come to Christ because their children come to Christ and they get excited about God. And they change in little ways and their parents get to see this child changing. Maybe they're not as disobedient anymore. Maybe, they're, maybe they have stopped some sin. Maybe they've taken a temper away or they've become less greedy or whatever it might be. The parents say something has changed about this child. And eventually that can lead them to Christ. Happened in my family. I got saved. My dad got saved two years later and he is, part of his testimony is he saw the changes in my life. There were other people working on him as well, but he saw the changes that, went, that God had done in my life. And I have heard this testimony over and over from family after family of their child becoming saved and being able to lead them. Maybe not the child themselves, but it made the parents start thinking about God, watching the changes. How many people are watching you? I have people all the time say, well, nobody's watching me. Well, you know, if nobody's watching you, then you must not be living a very godly life. You never go to church. You never talk about anything about God. You never, you never do anything, and you're just as, in just as much trouble as the rest of your neighbors. Then you might have to look and say, am I, am I a Christian? But you know, even if you don't say anything, you get up every Sunday morning, you go to church, people notice. They notice that you're carrying some book in your hand, and you get up the same time every Sunday morning when you're supposed to be sleeping in, sleeping off your hangover the, from the day before, and they notice that you're not doing the same things they're doing. They notice that the police aren't called over to your house. They notice that, you're, that things are, are a little different at your place. They notice that you have a little bit more joy. And they're going to start wondering, and maybe eventually they'll ask. I want to encourage you to open your mouth and share also. <laughs> but you know, this is important that we live a life. And I've shared with you, there's one guy in, in my, at the prison there I drive him crazy because I come in humming and singing and have a smile on my face, and he's absolutely con convinced that nobody can be that happy all the time. You know, and I just tell him it's God. You know, and he claims to be an atheist. He doesn't believe that it's God. He doesn't believe in God, he says. But he knows that I have a very different mentality than he does. You know, and he... And I don't get to preach to him very often because he is, you know, number one, he's a boss, you know, so I don't get to see him that much. But, you know, I've shared with him God. I've opened the door for him to come in. I told him that, it's, you know, hey, I'm only this happy because God has given me peace. Because God is in control. And he hates that when, I hear, when he hears God's in control. You know, but, you know, do we live a life that makes people look at us and say something's different? Now, a lot of times we look at them, people going, well, you blessed me in so way, and we'll be thinking, I don't know how you can do that. <laughs> I don't know how you can say that. But you know, when the Holy Spirit touches somebody through us, their whole life can be changed. And here we see Solomon basically saying that all come to death. And in verse 3, he says um, that the heart of the sons of man are full of evil, and madness is in their heart. <laughs> madness, irrational view of life. 
How many of you ever talked to anybody who has this crazy view of life? You know, that somehow they're going to get by without God. I love it when I talk to people, and, I, and because I deal a lot with educated people, I love to get on to them about their belief in evolution. God created the heavens and the earth, and that makes a sense. Of the, number one, all of science tells us there has to be a supernatural beginning because life does not start from nothing. And nothing starts from nothing. Now, I love the picture of the evolutionists that we had nothing and all of a sudden everything happened and then out of that everything material, somehow life just popped into existence. And yet we know that life does not spring from non-life. Otherwise, doctors would not wash their hands between, between patients because it wouldn't matter. So we look at this and we say, they're irrational. They're looking for stuff to fill the emptiness. And that's part of insanity. Keep doing the same thing and expect a different response. If I get famous enough, I'll be happy. I haven't, got, I haven't gotten happy yet. But if I get happy enough, I'm, you know, get famous enough, I'll be happy. You know, I've got lots and lots of money and I'm not happy, but if I make just a little more, just a bit more, I'll be happy. And they don't find it there. Or you get caught up in the cycle of alcohol or drugs. Just a, few, just a little bit more, just a little bit more, and I'll forget everything. Well, eventually you will forget everything. You'll be dead. You know, eventually. But none of it ever fulfills. Christ comes into our life, and he fulfills us. I love watching when somebody asks Christ in their heart, and the burdens and the emptiness falls away and Christ comes into their life, and you can just see when he's come in. Their face shines, there's a smile that crosses their face, and sometimes I swear they look uh, 20 years younger. <laughs> you know, it's an amazing thing when Christ comes in and the weight is taken off of people. My son Samuel's been listening to Unshackled a lot, which is testimonies of people who get saved, and he's got them on his phone, and almost every time we travel, he puts those on, and it's just amazing how the stories are all different, but yet they're all the same. Christ comes in and delivers. And you know, for everybody here, I know most of the testimonies of everybody in this church you know, is that you are saved, and I just want to encourage you, if you're not, you need to be. Because once we die, you know, in the last verse I read, it says, you know, um, the living know that they're going to die, he says the dead know nothing, but they know pain and, and suffering because they are in hell. And Jesus, when he told the story of the rich man and Lazarus, he says the rich man being in hell in torment looked up and said, send him down with just a drop of water. Now, I don't know how many people have been really, really thirsty. You know, but I'm the type of drop of water is not going to be much of a, re, uh, of a release when I'm thirsty. And he just wanted a drop of water, which shows how bad it was. And hell is forever. When we come into existence as a human being, we have an eternal destination. Eternal life in heaven with God or eternal death and torment in hell. And he says they don't remember anything. And he says even worse, they start getting forgotten. And this is kind of a sad thing. You know, sometimes we know certain people many years later Sometimes a thousand years later, we know certain things about them, if they really were great. 
But even in our own families, how many of us have grandparents or great-grandparents that have died that we barely remember anything about? Maybe great-grandparents. We weren't even old enough to really know them. And we, talk, we look for stories and you know, we don't get stories about them because eventually people get forgotten. And then he ended this verse with a, even kind of a sadder note on it. He says, also their love, their hatred, and their envy is now perished. All the people I love no longer are really loved after I'm dead, or I've made, you know, if I went to heaven, I'm still going to love them, but they're not going to know it. Anybody I hated, it's not going to matter to them once I'm gone. The people I love aren't really going to care that much when I'm gone. Any envy I have for people is going to be gone. We need to keep our focus on Christ and on his word and be able to accept that. And this is why the songs we sing are so beautiful today. The love of God led him to die for us. Jesus, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world for our sin. Before God created anything, it's pretty amazing that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit got together. They said, we're going to create this world. We're going to create these humans. They're going to sin. Jesus, will you die? Will you go and suffer a penalty and die for them so we can buy them back? And amazingly, he said yes. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus said yes. When the Father looked at fallen man, he already knew that Jesus was going to die. Why? Because Jesus is God. He said yes, he would. God does not lie. It was known that Jesus would die at the right time, which is the only reason he could deal with the Old Testament saints in forgiveness and grace and mercy like he did. Because from God's eyesight, Jesus was already dead. The moment he said yes, he was the crucified lamb. You know, and I hear people all the time, well, there was no mercy or no grace in the Old Testament. I go, you better read the Old Testament and the New Old Testament a lot closer because there is grace, there is mercy, there is love all through the Old Testament. Yes, God brought judgment upon his people for disobedience, but he still today brings judgment on his people for disobedience. And if you don't want to believe that, go read, reread the story of Ananias and Sapphira who lied to the church. You know, how many, how many people, if God still did that today in our churches, how full would our churches be? They lied to the church. They go, we gave everything, and they were struck dead in church. You know, is that the God of love and mercy that we want to keep remembering? Yes, it was in one sense because he was purifying his church. But that, that fit more into the ground opening up and swallowing all the rebellious uh, children of uh, Korah that were rebelling against uh, Moses and closing up on them. It was more like uh, Aaron's two sons who were worshiping incorrectly and got burnt with fire because they were incorrectly worshiping in the, ta in the, in the tabernacle. Their event was more like those, and yet people want to say that God has changed somehow in the New Testament. God is not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. This is good for us. His love is based on his choice to love us. It's objective love. He said he's going to love us. He will always love us. And his love is so deep, there's nothing we can do to get away from his love. He loves us that much. 
we're going to close here. If there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, today is the day to get to know him. We're all sinners. We all deserve hell. To, to not go to hell is a very simple thing. You say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I deserve punishment. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Come in and, and cleanse me. Very simple prayer. For us as Christians, though, I want to challenge us. Number one, let's fall on our knees before God and start asking him for forgiveness of our sins and live the life that draws people to him. Being kind, being loving, getting into his word. But most important, share with some people. The internal destination of everybody is at hand. Without Christ, they're going to hell. It's a very simple position. We either have Christ in us or we don't. Those who have Christ go to heaven. Those who reject Christ go to hell. Our job as believers is to share Christ. Share Christ. If you can't do it yourself, get, a gospel, get gospel tracts. But do something to help share the gospel. We've got lots of them in the hallway. I've got lots of more in the office if we run out. <laughs> and I can buy a whole lot more. <laughs> If they're going out, because tracks work, and they open doors for us. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for each person that's here. Lord, if there's anybody here that's not saved, we ask the Holy Spirit to work on their heart and bring, draw them to you, that they will confess that they're a sinner and ask you to come in their heart, and then they will share that decision with, some, with us. And we just thank you for that. Lord, for the rest of us, I challenge that the Holy Spirit works on our heart to drag us out to share you with others. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.